Section 14 of Great Epochs in American History, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Great Epochs in American History, Volume 3. The French War and the Revolution, 1745-1782, by Francis Whiting Halsey. Section 14. Patrick Henry's Call to Arms, 1775, by William Wirt. On Monday, the 20th of March, 1775, the Convention of Delegates from the several counties and corporations of Virginia met for the second time. This assembly was held in the old church in the town of Richmond. Mr. Henry was a member of that body also. The reader will bear in mind the tone of the instructions given by the Convention of the preceding year to their deputies in Congress. He will remember that while they recite with great feeling the series of grievances under which the colonies had labored, and insist with firmness on their constitutional rights, they give nevertheless the most explicit and solemn pledge of their faith and true allegiance to His Majesty, King George the Third, and avow their determination to support him with their lives and fortunes, in the legal exercise of all his just rights and prerogatives. He will remember that these instructions contain also an expression of their sincere approbation of a connection with Great Britain, and their ardent wishes for a return of that friendly intercourse from which this country had derived so much prosperity and happiness. These sentiments still influence many of the leading members of the Convention of 1775. They could not part with the fond hope that those peaceful days would again return which had shed so much light and warmth over the land. And the report of the King's gracious reception of the petition from Congress tended to cherish and foster that hope, and to render them averse to any means of violence. But Mr. Henry saw things with a steadier eye and a deeper insight. His judgment was too solid to be duped by appearances, and his heart too firm and manly to be amused by false and flattering hopes. He had long since read the true character of the British court, and saw that no alternative remained for his country but abject submission or heroic resistance. It was not for a soul like Henry's to hesitate between these courses. He had offered upon the altar of liberty no divided heart. The gulf of war which yawned before him was indeed fiery and fearful. But he saw that the awful plunge was inevitable. The body of the convention, however, hesitated. They cast around a longing, lingering look on those flowery fields which peace and ease and joy were still sporting. And it required all the energies of a mentor like Henry to push them from the precipice and conduct them over the stormy sea of the revolution to liberty and glory. He was a spirit fitted to raise the whirlwind, as well as to ride in it and direct it. His was that comprehensive view, that unerring prescience, that perfect command over the actions of men, which qualified him not merely to guide, but almost to create the destinies of nations. He rose at this time with a majesty unusual to him in an exordium, and with all that self-possession by which he was so invariably distinguished. No man, he said, thought more highly than he did of the patriotism, as well as abilities of the very worthy gentleman who had just addressed the house. 
but different men often saw the same subject in different lights and therefore he hoped it would not be thought disrespectful to those gentlemen if entertaining as he did opinions of a character very opposite to theirs he should speak forth his sentiments freely and without reserve this he said was no time for ceremony the question before this house was one of awful moment to the country for his own part he considered it as nothing less than a question of freedom or slavery and in proportion to the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of the debate it was only in this way that they could hope to arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which they held to god and their country should he keep back his opinions at such a time through fear of giving offence he should consider himself as guilty of treason toward his country and an act of disloyalty toward the majesty of heaven which he revered above all earthly kings mr president said he it is natural to man to indulge in the illusions of hope we are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of that siren till she transforms us into beasts is this he asked the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty we are disposed to be of the number of those who having eyes see not and having ears hear not the things which so nearly concern their temporal salvation for his part whatever anguish of spirit it might cost he was willing to know the whole truth to know the worst and to provide for it he had he said but one lamp by which his feet were guided and that was the lamp of experience he knew of no way of judging of the future but by the past and judging by the past he wished to know what there had been in the conduct of the british ministry for the last ten years to justify those hopes which gentlemen had been pleased to solace themselves in the house is it that insidious smile with which our petition has been lately received trust it not sir it will prove a snare to your feet suffer not yourselves to be betrayed with a kiss ask yourself how this gracious reception of our petition comports with those warlike preparations which cover our waters and darken our land are fleets and armies necessary to a work of love and reconciliation have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called in to win back our love let us not deceive ourselves sir these are the implements of war and subjugation the last argument to which kings resort i ask gentlemen sir what means this martial array if it purposes not to force us to submission can gentlemen assign any other possible motive for it has great britain any enemy in this quarter of the world to call for all this accumulation of navies and armies no sir she has none they are meant for us they can be meant for no other they are sent over to bind and rivet upon us those chains which the british ministry have been so long forging and what have we to oppose them shall we try argument sir we have been trying that for the last ten years have we anything new to offer upon the subject nothing we have held the subject up in every light of which it is capable and it has been all in vain shall we resort to entreaty and humble supplication what terms shall we find which have not been already exhausted let us not i beseech you sir deceive ourselves longer sir we have done everything that could be done to avert the storm 
which is now coming on we have petitioned we have remonstrated we have supplicated we have prostrated ourselves before the throne and have implored its interposition to arrest the tyrannical hands of the ministry and parliament our petitions have been slighted our remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult our supplications have been disregarded and we have been spurned with contempt from the foot of the throne in vain after these things may we indulge the fond hope of peace and reconciliation there is no longer any room for hope if we wish to be free if we mean to preserve inviolate those inestimable privileges for which we have been so long contending if we mean not basely to abandon the noble struggle in which we have been so long engaged and which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our contest shall be obtained we must fight i repeat it sir we must fight an appeal to arms and to the god of hosts is all that is left us they tell us sir continued mr henry that we are weak unable to cope with so formidable an adversary but when shall we be stronger will it be the next week or the next year will it be when we are totally disarmed and when a british guard shall be stationed in every house shall we gather strength by irresolution and inaction shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemy shall have bound us hand and foot sir we are not weak if we make a proper use of these means which the god of nature hath placed in our power three millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty and in such a country as that which we possess are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us besides sir we shall not fight our battles alone there is a just god who presides over the destinies of nations and who will raise up friends to fight our battles for us the battle sir is not to the strong alone it is to the vigilant the active the brave besides sir we have no election if we were base enough to desire it it is now too late to retire from the contest there is no retreat but in submission and slavery our chains are forged their clanking may be heard on the plains of boston the war is inevitable and let it come i repeat sir let it come it is vain sir to extenuate the matter gentlemen may cry peace peace but there is no peace the war is actually begun the next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms our brethren are already in the field why stand we here idle what is it that gentlemen wish what would they have is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery forbid it almighty god i know not what course others may take but as for me cried he with both his arms extended aloft his brows knit every feature marked with the resolute purpose of his soul and his voice swelled to its boldest note of exclamation give me liberty or give me death he took his seat no murmur of applause was heard the effect was too deep after the trance of a moment several members started from their seats the cry to arms seemed to quiver on every lip and gleam from every eye richard h lee arose and supported mr henry 
with his usual spirit and elegance but his melody was lost amid the agitations of that ocean which the master spirit of the storm had lifted up on high that supernatural voice still sounded in their ears and shivered along their arteries they heard in every pause the cry of liberty or death they became impatient of speech their souls were on fire for action end of section fourteen